What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Neighborhood Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Valentin, along with Kyle Dabrow. Today, we have a special guest, personal friend of mine. He's been featured on my podcast a number of times. We have my boy Dawson here. Dawson, what's going on, bro? What's going on, buddy? How you doing? I'm Dawson. chilling, man. Looking at looking at your beautiful face, man. Dawson, what's good, man? <laughs> Nothing, man. Just chilling. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me on. I was about to say, you ready to get it popping for this episode? Oh, absolutely. I'm, I'm excited. Kev, you want to give the rundown for what we're going to go over today? Yeah, so today we had about, I don't know, maybe like 50 Woj bombs. Today was the NFL, the NBA trade deadline. Um, it was absolutely insane. I haven't seen a trade deadline like this in the NBA for quite some time. Uh, it was literally refresh, refresh every five seconds. So we're going to get into a little bit of that. Uh, today we're also going to talk a little bit about uh, our personal opinions on our top five top five <laughs> NBA players in the league right now. And uh, but first, before we get into that, uh, Dawson, you've been a loyal supporter since day one since I started my podcast. You have been someone that's always reached out to me and told me what I needed to improve on, what you liked, what you didn't like. So first off, I want to thank you for the continued support now transitioning into the you know, the podcast with Kyle and our YouTube. Um, but I got to ask your opinion, man. What do you, what have you seen from us? What have you seen as a, as a, as a developmental podcast, you know, an up and coming, an up and coming uh starter should I say what do you think we need to improve on just just give it to me straight man well I think first of all <clears throat> the first time y'all did a collab I was like I I really I told myself I was like this is something like I really enjoy listening to like I enjoyed listening to just you before it's nothing against just you but uh both of you together just going back and forth you guys definitely um complimented each other throughout the entire podcast and I was like you know that was a really good episode and then um you know throughout the weeks and months you know you guys kept doing more and more and I had a feeling that you guys would uh or you guys were gonna you know do a somewhat of a collab podcast for good and then you guys finally announced it um officially and I was like okay you know that's gonna be exciting and then you know watching the last you know let's say what, like a month month or two now about. I feel like you guys have been doing it, like, even if it wasn't official, you guys have been doing it uh, together. Uh, it's been it's been very informative. I feel like I'm listening to one of the ESPN podcasts sometimes, some of the information you two bring. Uh, it's it's good. It's You guys have said everything well thought out. Um, you have everything ready to go most of the time, Kev. <laughs> Uh, Most of the time, but uh, <laughs> but no, you guys, uh, it's it's a good it's a good list. I love listening to you guys in the car because uh, you know I'll be on the way to work or on the way home or wherever I'm going, and uh, and half the time the stuff I know about sports is coming from y'all's mouth. <laughs> so I, I don't know half of the, what's going on sometimes, and uh, anything that comes out of my mouth probably heard it from you guys. So uh, kudos to y'all. But um, I mean, the only thing that would be like something to work on is just like networking and just getting your your brand out there I guess is um and I'm trying to I'll do anything I can to help with that as far as posting stuff and all that but um I mean but that's that's for any you know startup or starter uh you know group podcast or collab podcast or whatever it is you just got to get your name out there and once that happens um I think it's got a limit for y'all so um, you guys got a good thing going um so it's uh, it's exciting to see it, and I'm pumped to see what happens for y'all in the future. Kev, you can go ahead. I, I I appreciate that. I mean, coming from me, you know, the type of person that I am, we work together, we hung out, you know what I'm saying, and you know the type of 
personality that I have. So hearing that makes me feel pretty good. Kyle, I don't know about you, man, but like hearing a, a person's voice that I know in like real life and a person that I communicate with frequently, uh, it just makes me feel better about what we're doing. And it just, you know, it motivates me to be better. So, I mean, like, I just, I love it, man. I appreciate that. And I'm so thankful for your support every, every day, every week, every time we talk, I just, your love, man, you're appreciated. For sure. I mean, just to kind of piggyback off of what Kev was saying, I mean, at this point, it's like, you know, we're starting from the bottom up. So obviously, you know, we're just trying to stay on a consistent schedule at this point. You know, pretty much we do, try to do about two episodes a week just kind of dependent on our schedules because sometimes it can get busy and it does get tricky to do two episodes a week but at this point it's just kind of like just do it brick by brick and yeah. like I know on my end because um, I'm usually the one that kind of works on like the, the video editing and, and trying to get everything ready for the YouTube side of things Kev takes care of the audio portion like on Spotify Apple Podcasts, kind of like that side of the podcast and like, I know, like, as time goes on, the aesthetic of the videos that people see on YouTube is definitely going to improve. And I know Kevin and I have yeah. talked about, you know, updating our, our audio because Kev does like the setup that I have. He's told me a bunch of times that he likes having the, the stable microphone and then, like, the stable camera as well. So, you know, obviously, yeah. like, I'm, st- I'm trying to look at you know, getting a desktop computer. So that way, um, like I can run like video editing software a lot more efficiently. Cause like on my laptop, like it works, but it's, it could be better and it, it does take time, but, yeah, absolutely. but as time goes on, you know, you, you guys will definitely see more improvements made to not only just the YouTube side of things with the videos, but with the audio as well. So I, listen, I'm not, no, I'm no audio technician. I'm, just kind of learning the ins and outs of it so we're still kind of adjusting on that but as time goes on things will improve and you guys will definitely see that because i i was talking to kev the other day i'm thinking about getting a webcam that can just attach to the top of my uh screen here and then i could just run the zoom calls straight from my uh, desktop computer at that point through the webcam instead of having like essentially what I have it for zoom is I ha- I start the call on my laptop and then I have to invite myself to my phone and then <laughs> that way I could send Kev the messages for the links to get on zoom so it's kind of like jumping through hoops but you know once I get a desktop and once I get a webcam it'll make things a lot easier yeah for sure but just to kind of say what Kev said just I appreciate the support Dawson I know you, I know Kevin, and I feel the same way about that. And, you know, when it comes to the branding side of things, um, Kevin and I are still working on the logo. I know Kevin's girlfriend is still going through that. And trust me, that takes time. And we're not really oh, in any sort of rush to get that done. But once we kind of get the logo design finalized, then we can really start trying to maximize absolutely. our brand out there. Just right now, it's just like, we're kind of like in that stage where it's just like, we're trying to figure things some small things out but once we get those things settled it we should be fine and then hopefully yeah and that's that's improving from there that's one thing you can't rush too if it's going to be a, an investment so i i mean take your time do what you got to do get it right and and i'm at least knowing kevin i think i've got a good idea of what kind of what kind of friend and and partner you are um so uh i think with you two at the helm you know nothing but good things are, are to come so 
Yeah, the, the only thing on my end is I, I hate when I stutter. Is or like there's a lot of like, uh, hey, like, it happens, man. It like happens. It, it's I'm just like all day today, so. it's just like you know sometimes I get like mumble mouth and it gets That's a little bit tricky. It's so whatever, man. But but it's whatever. As time goes on, like Kevin and I will definitely, it'll just get so easy. Like once we just keep doing this repetitively, like second nature. Yeah, yeah. It'll, it'll be easy. Hey, this 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 shit is to to me. This shit is already easy. Like I talk to myself like this anyway. So it's like, why not talk to other people like this? You know, to put a camera in front of my face. It was a big reason why I started the podcast. You feel me? Like, share my knowledge, my opinions, my thoughts with like pretty like the world. And if you know people want to tune in, tune in. If you don't, you know it is what it is. I just I love doing this. Me and Kyle have been friends. I don't know what I've been here in Florida seven years. So I mean, like I met Kyle pretty much within the first month of school. So me and Kyle have been cool for the past seven years. So I mean, the repertoire. These are the conversations we have to ourselves when we're on the phone shooting shit on PlayStation, yeah. video games, you know, whatever. So it just, the chemistry works. But uh, I, I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm super excited to see where this goes. Like Kyle said, we have a lot of things in the works. Uh, we getting better every day. It's like practice, man. Like you, you, we can't get better without doing more episodes. So all I know is I'm ready to get this one started. And um, I, again, just really appreciate, appreciative of you coming on the show. So, I mean, let's, with all that said, let's get right into this. Yo, these Woge bombs are crazy. I know Kyle was working. I was working. Dawson, I don't know what you was doing today, but man, my phone just kept fucking blowing off the hook. So I got to hear y'all's opinion. What, what what the hell went on your mind today when you were seeing these constant updates? Would you, would, did you think like originally like it was going to be a dead trade deadline? Did you think it was going to be like average? Like uh, Dawson, I'm going to start with you, bro. Like what'd you think about today? I mean, I wasn't expecting this at all i wasn't expecting it to be too much of anything but i mean i i only got wrote down like 11 uh, or so and there was probably five or six maybe even seven that i didn't even write down um so i mean they were just dropping like hot cakes today but uh i mean there was i mean there's some smaller names but i mean there was quite a few uh not big names but i mean good pieces that are going to to different teams that are going to that are going to help uh, the other, those, those teams that are going to uh, in a in a pretty big way I think at least for those players I think they're going to better situations I guess is what I'm trying to say yeah absolutely are you kidding me man one that comes off the top of the dome uh, in particular uh, is the Vucevic trade to go to Chicago so I mean yeah. that that that's my favorite one I love uh, Chicago, I love Kobe White going to UNC. I love Zach Levine. He's one of my favorite players to watch in the league. I love that young core that they have over there in Chi-Town. So, I mean, to add a, a veteran big like Vucevic to go out there and, uh, and you know, solidify this team, you know, bring a big vet into the house. Uh, and they found a way to keep Larry Marketing, even though he was kind of rumored to go around, you know, with uh, trade rumors to be circulated. But I, I, other than that, I mean, like Kyle, what, what, what was your big move today? Who did you really see that there was a, there was a big spot? I mean, it was Victor Oladipo going to Miami. That was probably the biggest one that I saw. The crazy thing was when I was going through the details of the trade, the Heat only gave up Avery Bradley, Kelly Olenek, and I think there was a draft pick swap, if I remember correctly. The fact that the fact that Houston wasn't able to get Tyler Hero or Duncan Robinson in the trade just goes to show how good of a GM Pat Riley is. So you have to give Pat Riley, a lot of credit for being for being able to facilitate that trade. And look, Victor Oladipo has had some injury 
issues. He had the torn, I believe he tore his quad back when he was with Indiana a couple of years ago, and he's still kind of getting into the grooves, the groove of things after that injury. But he's put up some solid numbers in Houston, despite Houston being an absolute dumpster fire this year. So I think he's going to be a solid pickup for Miami this year, whether he stays long-term in Miami, we'll see after this season, but they definitely got better with this trade. Kev, what were some names that you saw that popped out to you outside of the Vucevic one where he went to Chicago? Well, um, obviously the Oladipo trade kind of stuck out to me. The Fournier trade to Boston stuck out Mm -hmm. the Aaron Gordon trade to Denver. It seemed like Orlando just dumped off all their big contracts to, to just go in full rebuild mode. Yeah. Um, the, the, the speculation of Kyle Lowry throughout the entire week of, you know, him being moved and then he ends up not being moved. Um, the most surprising non-move would be Lonzo Ball. He was kind of rumored around for the last, I don't know, six weeks that he was on the move. He ends up staying in, uh, in, in New Orleans. New Orleans ends up sending J.J. Redick and another player to Dallas for James Johnson and Wes uh, Oweyanu. I always forget how to pronounce his name. And, uh, you know, that that was big for my organization. I'm not going to get into what I actually think about it. Dog shit. Um, and then uh, I think the final trade that really stuck out to me was the Rondo trade. Uh, we were talking about it right before we started recording. I always said Rondo was just – it wasn't going to work in, in Atlanta. There was just too many young people on that team. Rondo's at the tail end of his career. There were a lot of guards there. Uh, Orlando, uh, excuse me, Atlanta was a very big uh, fixer-upper, so to speak, like in terms of realty. But I don't know. I just I felt that him going back to L.A. was just a little weird. Uh, obviously, the Lakers didn't have enough cap to go and sign him to the deal that he wanted. So he finesses his way into a contract in Atlanta and then gets traded back to L.A. So it just – except it's to the opposite locker room of the Clippers. So Rondo gets what he wanted. He gets to be on another contender once again, just like I said, on the opposite side of the stadium. But, I mean, other than that, it, like, like Dawson said, there were a lot of little moves, little pieces here and there, little assets. Um, but other than that, those are, those are the trades that stuck out to me, honestly. I know one thing for sure is that freaking Lou Williams is going to be living in Magic City the entire time that he's an Atlanta Hawks. So, no mess! Um, he, dude, he's going to have a freaking throne room going into that place just because he's, like, treated yeah. like a god there. Say, King Lou in the building, bring me my wings. Yep, those lemon pepper wings are going to be gas when he gets there. <laughs> They're going to be on deck. It's su- like, bro, if he if he's on the way, like he's going to call. It's like, y'all better have those wings there by the time I get there. That boy happy. I I never seen another player happy to go to a, a, a worse team than Lou Williams probably is. He's probably on that plane saying, "Oh baby, I'm gonna be here every day." You already know. Exactly. You can't go wrong, dude. You can't go wrong with that setup. Uh, Dawson, what you what you got? What's the what's the trade that stuck out to you today, man? What's what's something that you said like, whoa, what the hell? You know, as as much as I hate to be an Atlanta Magic fan today, uh, with them jumping everybody off, um, <laughs> I I do I don't mind uh, getting Otto Porter and Wendell Carter just to if if we're rebuilding. I mean, at least Wendell's somewhat young, and so, I guess Otto's somewhat young. He's twenty five, twenty six, right? Yeah, yeah, they're. I mean, they're they're in their mid twenties or somewhere like. That. I know Auto might be a little on the older side now, um, but we got two first round picks out of that. I don't know exactly what spots, um, but uh, they got a little some some for it. I mean, and then the the deal with Denver, they got uh, R.J. Hampton, 
uh, Gary Harris, which I think Gary will probably end up starting since we got rid of Fournier as well. So, and then we got another protected uh, 2025 first round pick. So, I guess three first rounders and four players. Uh, I mean, we lost that tra- both trades. I think. I, I mean, I don't understand. I don't understand why we're rebuilding now. Why we didn't do this before? Uh, I don't. I don't see why we ever thought Aaron Gordon and Vucevic were going to be the answer, personally. But uh, I mean, other than that, other than those two guys, I like like uh, Kyle said the the Oladipo trade. Um, I thought it was a weird trade for him getting to Houston in the first place. It's just a weird spot for Facts. him. Facts. Um, even with Harden, even with Harden gone, I was just like, uh, I just don't know how he's gonna fit in with this, you know, ragtag team that they got going on mm-hmm. in the Lone Star State. Um, but uh, I'm I'm happy to see him go to Miami. Um, I've liked Vic since he was in Orlando. So uh, I mean, I'm glad to see him go to, to a, a decent decent uh, Eastern Conference team and. They played for a championship last last season, so I mean, you know, hopefully good things are to come for them. Uh, and I think Miami uh, also sent uh, Avery Bradley and Olenek, and then they also got yeah that that first round uh, price pick. So I mean, it's not a bad deal for for Miami, obviously. Um, and I guess if the Rockets are gonna try and fix whatever they got going on, I guess that's a place to start. Uh, I I guess. <laughs> Man, that's. Uh, I mean, it's a big if. <laughs> I guess you could say. But um, also, I just want to say that can we talk about the management of the Oklahoma City Thunder. <laughs> they have 30, 34 draft picks over the next seven seasons, and they're split down the middle at seventeen first rounders and seventeen second rounders. That's insane. It's insane, dude. Sam Presti's a genius, boy. Genius Bro, now. <laughs> I was saying this earlier to my buddy when we were talking about it. I was like, you know, they can get all these draft picks, and that's great. But if they can't draft good players and put those players on the floor, those players are going to – or I saw a thing. It was saying that these players are going to win so many championships or these picks will win so many championships with other teams later in their career because (laughs) they're going to – they'll screw it up when they get them on the floor or something like that. It was – it's kind of funny, but it's – I just – it's it's cool to see that um, for that organization, to see what kind of potential that could bring. But it's all going to come down to obviously picking the right guys that they – you know, at the time that they need and putting them in, in their system to succeed and getting them ready to succeed. So, I mean, we'll see. Um, but, I mean, that's just – those numbers are wild. Seven years. It's crazy. And, Kev, like – you and I have kind of talked about Sam Presti just kind of like in our private conversations about just how many draft picks they're just stockpiling. At what point do you think that Sam Presti is going to just unload all of these draft picks and really start trying to form somewhat of a viable team in the Western Conference? Because you can't just hold on to all, all these draft picks forever. I mean, you, you really got to look down the line and, and like, I guess, like the, the NCAA pipeline because at, at, at the end of the day, you know, players are going to come out of high school. They're going to, you know, show out in college. We all know that doesn't always transition. Tyler Hansborough is one of the greatest college basketball players of all time. He flopped in the league. You know what I'm saying? A lot of these one and dones that come out, 
don't end up panning out either. You know what I'm saying? Like it just it really depends on the, the, the front office. They're scouting their their college aspects, their their the business of it, all of it. They gotta make sure they got cap. They did the whole Chris Paul, Mello, Paul George aspect of it. And it and it flaked. They had the the James Harden, um, Russell Westbrook and KD, and that didn't work out either, even though they got all the way to the finals. So Sam Presti's really got to figure out what it is that he wants to do. Are you going to package some of those picks into getting some bigger assets? Because we all know uh, Shai Alexander is probably one of the better up-and-coming young players in the league. Um, they do have a lot of expiring contracts over there, like uh, where they have Al Horford and a, and a number of other players uh, in the later ladder of their careers. So they're poised to be drafting relatively early in, in the, the next couple of years unless Sam kind of pulls the trigger and says, you know what, I'm going to package some of these up and I'm going to go trade for a stud next season. Yeah. Or, you know, like, I'm going to package some of these up, and I'm going to just trade up to the next draft spot. You know what I'm saying? If, if OKC has the seventh pick, who's to say if they don't package up three first-round picks, it's not like they're not going to have 14 more if they want to go and get the number one overall pick. So they're poised to draft high, draft quick, and they're also poised to go and make free agency acquisitions because they're going to have available cap space, and they're going to be able to attract some free agent destinies, like, you know, free agent um, players, like, hey – you know, like we're young, we got cap, we got capital, we have everything that you need. Just, you know, come out here and let us, let us, let us show you what we can do. So it, it's all about how Presley's going to manage it. He's a genius for getting them. It's about what you do and executing now as a GM, because if you do nothing with these picks, like Dawson said, or you draft these players and they don't hit the floor or you don't utilize them correctly, they're not going to stay past the rookie contracts and they might not even make it their full contracts. I think what you're probably going to see with OKC over the next couple of years is I'm going to totally agree with you with the whole use those draft picks to either move up in the draft to pick, you know, possibly a potential top five pick in the draft, but don't be surprised if they package some of those first rounders and maybe a couple of the second rounders to bring in some veteran leadership too. They with the amount of draft picks that they have, they could definitely acquire. I don't know if they would necessarily get a superstar just off of draft picks, but they could probably get at least like a good kind of like second tier player to at least to go around the younger players that they, they draft in the future years down the road. I think I'm just trying to think of like somebody that they could really pull off in a trade. Go after Bradley, get him out of there. Yeah, maybe. But I mean, you and I've talked about Bradley Beal and the contract situation that he has there. So I don't know if the Wizards would pull a trade on Bradley Beal with just three or four first-round picks that OKC would send to them. But, I mean, if you're in Washington's position, do you think about it? Because, I mean, OKC is not really going anywhere anytime soon. They're not going to be a competitor in the Western Conference until they make some sort of move to at least be a viable team to even crack the top eight seed. Hey, so, like I said, it all depends. Like, check this out, though. So Washington has Russell. And they still bottom tier the Eastern Conference. You know what I'm saying? Bradley was doing everything he could by himself without John Wolf for the last two, three years. No disrespect, I know it's your favorite player, but he just was out of commission for a while. So Bradley shouldered the brunt of the load. And if Bradley goes to OKC, OKC has capital, OKC has cap. He's, a, he's the focal point. They can build around him. Washington is stuck with Russell's contract, his contract. They gave... Who's that that shooter? Uh, he just signed like a $75 million extension. The white boy, he's like, he starts with a B. Oh, my God, Bertos or something like that. He Bert- just signed over there. Yeah. I think, yeah it, Bertons, I think is his name. Yeah, so. Only Bertons. 
So at the end of the day, I, I feel like I, I was thinking while you were talking of some superstars that are in a situation in which you're like free so-and-so. And I think Bradley Beal is probably one of the only players that I could see being like, get me out of this terrible organization. You have enough money to pay me and you're trending in the right direction. You go and pull a Bradley Beal that immediately puts you in a position of, yo, now we got to go get some other players. Now we got to get some other pieces. The cat books are free of Chris Paul's contract. Let's go acquire a team. Let's go assemble something around Bradley Beal. And who knows, maybe they compete again in the Western Conference. Bradley, we know, is a player that can average 25 by himself with no help. If you get him some kind of a, a rookie that can, uh, can do something, maybe, who knows? I don't know. I just felt that that made the most sense, you know? I'm just talking out my ass here. It just usually happens like that. <laughs> Dawson, you go ahead. I mean... <laughs> you guys... I'm, I'm not going to lie. I was shaking my head the whole time because I was like, oh, that's... What that's something I was thinking about. So honestly, I got nothing to add. I mean, you guys kind of said literally everything I was thinking, or that I at least that I had typed out. I mean, as okay. So then my counterpoint to that, right? So we we talking about Bradley Beal, right? Your favorite player is John Wall. John Wall is is another top tier player that is on a shitty team. Yeah. Who's who's yeah. to say OKC doesn't bring the band back together? When they played together, they were nice. Why not? They got all the picks. You got the money to pay for them both, and you have plenty more picks to trade up and go get somebody else. Like, this is what I mean. Presti has options, bro. Like, this man literally could say, I'll take you, I'll take you, and then I'll pay you. They can make their own big three out there. Who knows? I mean, you you definitely could. And I wouldn't hate to see him go to OKC uh, at all. I mean, Jersey's a fire. They are. Uh, I, I like Houston's now, though. I like the blue ones. Uh, that's besides the fact. Uh, I I do, like I said, I do like the, the Thunder um, just because I think if you're going to – see, the only problem with, with him is is he's at that age now, I think, with his injuries where it's like if you take this risk, you're either – it's the it's the high risk, uh, high reward type deal. Like you could either – Take this bet, and it could pan out for you with these guys if you go out and get somebody or a couple guys to, to surround around each other and, and make a team. Or on the opposite side, with, with those injuries and his age, it it could be one of the worst things you do. Uh, and knowing OKC, I mean, <laughs> who knows? It's just – I with John, I, I loved him in Washington, but I think he should have – I don't think he should have re-signed that first time. Uh, I think I think that was when he could have elevated his game a little bit on a different team. Maybe – I don't know if it, I'm saying by himself, but I'm saying somewhere where at least they're going past the second round of the playoffs every year. So uh, not to say that he didn't have good seasons in Washington after that because I think – was it the season after or two seasons after where he uh, hit that – game six shot versus Celtics or whatever and that three-pointer it was mm-hmm. absolutely not it's the biggest shot of his career um but I mean yes I'm not trying to discredit his his play after he resigned or anything but uh, I would have liked to see him go somewhere else and see you know see what he could do but you know it's not how the, the cookie crumbled as they say but um he shattered I mean, we'll in see. that case yeah yeah I yeah I just 
just I mean, and he's been playing well, like we were talking about earlier, off that Achilles oh, yeah. injury. And he's been playing playing pretty pretty well. So Three sixty layup the other day. This shit was fire. John Wall twenty again. <laughs> shit. That's, yeah. <laughs> Uh, but you know, we'll, we'll see, we'll see what happens, uh, in the future with him. Uh, hopefully, you know, I, I just want him to at least make it to the finals once, you know, you know, get him, get him a shot of the ring at least, but it ain't happening see. this year. As long as you're aware of that, you are, oh, no, 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 I, that, right? Yeah. It's like not going to happen woke? on the Houston okay. it's, it's not going to happen on the Houston Rockets. No. Well, how, okay. So how many years does John have left on his contract to your knowledge? Is it two, three? I, it's like I said. I, I want to say it's. I mean, I can try and pull it up. I, I want to say it's at least two. So John's what, only John's only chance of winning or competing would be in a trade, and the only team that's poised that would be willing to take that hit would be a team like Oklahoma City, and that's why that's that's, that's literally why I said what I said because it's like he knows he's no, not yeah, doing it in it, Houston. Yeah, it, and it makes. Oklahoma City would make sense with all the the assets that they've gotten as far as trade assets. Um, I mean, it, it makes sense. That's a, it's a good option. It's a big contract to take on, though. It, that's going to be a big contract, no matter what. Though that's what I'm saying. Like Johnny, unless you're going to build around John Wall, you already had a wash season in Houston. You signed Boogie Cousins. I don't know why you let him go. That made to me that made no sense. That's a that was a Steven Salas or a GM decision of saying, listen, we can't take your attitude. I think a couple of his ejections were absolutely ridiculous. He got ejected because he's DeMarcus. You let go of James Harden because he was being a diva. You traded for Oladipo and it didn't pan out. Christian Wood was hurt for over a month. You know what I'm saying? You got Kevin Porter Jr. And now he's on the active roster, but it's like, it's too little too late. Like Steven Salas's first year as a former Mavericks head coach, it pains me to see him suffer, but it's like, the way that this roster is kind of put together, it's not meant to succeed. Christian Wood, his he's probably the best player on that team that isn't John Wall. And Eric Gordon's out for the season. And um, who else? They just traded P.J. Tucker. Like, I believe they're in full rebuild mode. John just left that. John's biggest thing this offseason is, I got to get the fuck out of here. Because If you really look at it, all of their contracts are expiring, and it's just John on the team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna, gonna be, it's gonna be tough. Oh, go ahead. It's gonna be tough. And the only thing with John that that Dawson was mentioning is that if he were to you know to possibly yeah is the injury history is that he's very brittle. And I, I don't know about you guys, but seeing John Wall at this point kind of gives me a very similar feel to what happened with Derrick Rose with all the knee injuries that he got through his career, especially when he was in Chicago. The reason why is is the Achilles one is just a tough one to come back from. And typically the guys that sustain that type of injury are never usually the same after that. Now, unless you're Kevin Durant. Yeah. But Kevin doesn't really make, he's not a ball handler like John wall is. He's not really, he's not quote unquote, a point guard to where he's not explosive like that, but his handles aren't like his primary uh, asset to how he plays. It's his, mid-range jumper his ability to get a little bit of space that little fadeaway jump shot that he likes to hit and he's a knockdown three-point shooter so but with john wall john wall is a very good mid-range shooter but he'll make a ton of damage by driving into the lane forcing the defender to go one way when he's handling it the other way and to get to get a layup it's just over time though 
your body's going to just wear down from all of those quick cuts. You already saw it with the Achilles injury. You saw it with Derrick Rose and his knees. And as you get older, bodies typically tend to break down just at how fast you're playing the game. And pace does eventually catch up to you. With John Wall, that's why, to a certain extent, I, I look at him as brittle. And is it worth OKC getting rid of all of that draft capital to bring somebody who may or may not be in the lineup consistently. That's something that Sam Presley would have to, you know, he would have to weigh pretty significantly to give up that amount of draft capital. And to be honest with you, they could probably go younger than John Wall. They could probably find somebody to trade some of those draft picks to get somebody who has probably a little more upside for a longer term of time. With John Wall, you probably have at most maybe a three to four-year window, and the four years is probably stretching it. So he's playing really good this year. I'm not saying he's playing John Wall three, four years ago, but I mean, for what it's worth, for what he has around him, John Wall's doing everything he fucking can. And it's the first year back from all of those injuries. Like he's good. It's going to take time. I think for John, he's got to get the mindset of I'm not the guy anymore. Like I'm not the man as I used to be in Washington. And if he wants to win, he's got to be willing to take a pay cut. Like, he's got to restructure that contract. Or he's got to accept, you know, maybe I don't, you know, extend to this much money. Or maybe I go to a team for less money. Maybe I come off the bench. I don't think he's going to come off the bench because I don't think he's hit that point in his career. Not yet. But Not yet. John, John definitely needs to, you know, sit back with himself this offseason and say, do I want to be a part of another rebuild do I want to get this payout or do I want to compete for a championship? We talked about it when it came to football and a lot of players at that point in their career where they're just like, ah, I want bread, but I want a championship. It was a little different for, for Tampa because Tampa had a lot of younger players that were coming towards the end of their deals. And it said, you know what, do I want to keep winning or do I want to cash out? And Josh and John's case, he already cashed out. So we know what's going to happen. The more you keep cashing out, the less likelihood of you actually hoisting up that trophy. So is John's ego gonna be put to the side i don't know gang sign john wall is a pretty good and entertaining person to watch and i would like to see him win also that's all i'm trying to say yeah he um he's got two more years i checked he's got two more years he'll be a free agent in 23 and he's got something to prove this year since he was out for a pretty significant period of time when he was a year and a half right a year and a half he was he was out for a while so he's got to go out there and at least prove to not only his team, but just to the league, that he's still a solid force to deal with in the NBA. And, I mean, his numbers reflected the team numbers, uh, just the team by win and losses. It doesn't indicate that. But, you know, I still believe John Wall is going to be a really solid player for probably the next two to three years. But, you know, that fourth year down the road, dependent on whether or not he stays healthy, that's where you could probably see probably a drop off in just his overall production. Cause then at that point, he's probably in his mid thirties. Well, I mean, so we've, 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 we've dove into the, to the trade aspect of the day. Um, I know for a fact I wanted to, well, I've been thinking about this for about, I don't know, what do you think? Two, three weeks about the top five players. We've kind of been going back and forth about our opinions. Now we have guests to to kind of talk about it. So, Guys, we're going to do uh, just an opinionated – I need to stress to you guys, opinionated top five players in the league because we do have a lot of people that like to go and get over-analytical on us and shit for no reason. So Kyle, Dawson, and I are going to give our personal opinion of who our top five players in the NBA are. 
Um, I will go first uh, in no particular order. I know I've kind of varied back and forth uh, with it. My top five players are LeBron James, Kevin Durant, James Harden, Steph Curry, and Damian Lillard. Um, I mean, I, I, I want to elaborate on it, but I know that my elaboration is going to take a long time because I don't shut the fuck up. So I'm going to pass it along to you guys. Uh, Dawson, you're the guest. What do you got for us, man? Uh, well, at one, I got the king, the washed king, the 36-year-old <laughs> king, LeBron James. Uh, he's averaging 25, 7, and 7. Uh, the only knock I have on him right now this season, now, he granted, he is injured, uh, but it, it's his second lowest uh, PER year, player efficiency rating, since his rookie season. And uh, – they're sitting at fourth, I believe, in the conference standings. Um, so it's not – I mean, they're not in any type of jeopardy of, you know, I don't think missing the playoffs with him being gone. Um, but I, I saw that and I was like – I was like, it that just – it's it's not good to see that, but it's also like just shows like how great he's been almost like in that span of time from his rookie season to – what was he, 36 now? It's so it's like – yeah, it's, it's crazy. It's really cool to see, and the numbers that his PER was through those years is is pretty pretty high too. So that's that was cool to see. Um, I I put on here uh, on the under the maybe section I have it says uh, will the injury stunt you know the the Lakers top seed push um, for the second half of the season? You know that's something we're gonna find out obviously, and depending on how long he's out. I know it said indefinitely on the thing I saw. I just I didn't see a number. For, uh, for how long he was going to be out. But, um, I mean, that's just somebody you don't you, – I mean, that's – I mean, you don't want anybody else on your team to come playoff time, you know, starting on your on your, on your your court. So, I mean, it's it's LeBron. Uh, I mean, he's made the finals every year. He's been healthy since 2011. Uh, led the league in assists last year. I mean, as an old guy, <laughs> you're witnessing greatness. I used to – I used to hate him in Miami, and then I just realized that – you got to appreciate what he's done for the game. Uh, and it's, it's just something I don't think we'll see for a long time, at least uh, while I'm alive, I don't think I'll see anything like it again. Um, but with that being said, he'd be, he'd be my number one. Um, I got James Harden averaging 25, 11 and eight uh, going into the season, starting with Houston. I kind of knew that he was not going to be there uh, even after they got John and a couple of them, uh, a couple other pieces. I was just, just his attitude and him not even showing up at the beginning. It was just kind of like a big smack in the face to his teammates and the organization. But uh, with with him getting traded to the Nets, I was not sure how that was going to go with KD, Kyrie. Um, but, it, you know, I was excited, don't get me wrong, to see those three guys play together. Um, and I think – I think we've kind of seen that it's going to work in a sense. Uh, when I say in a sense, I mean, they got to learn how to play defense. Uh, but that offense is scary, man. That's if, if those, if those guys get cooking, it's going to be a long night for you, especially if you're not making buckets on the other end of the floor. Um, and another thing with that whole situation is like, you know, even if one of those guys are, are injured you more than likely if the other two are healthy I mean you still got a solid offense uh 
throughout those four quarters. You got to play them. So um, now they're I wouldn't say they're deep. Now I like I like Blake Griffin. I like the I like seeing him back in a on a team that's going to play for you know a deep playoff run. So um, I'm excited to see you know what he can do at his his age. Um, and I think that's really all I had. I mean, he's shooting 46% from the field, 36 from the three. Uh, I already said the defense stuff. Um, so then I guess moving on, we third would be Luka Doncic, averaging 29-8-9, almost damn near a triple-double. Um, he's shooting almost 50%. I think it was like 48 or 49% from the field, 36 from the three. Uh, I was watching a couple of his uh, highlights from the season, and I just noticed that and I noticed it before, but it's just it was just impressive. The things I was seeing was the the vision he has at such a young age uh, on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, he's it, it like the no look passes, and sometimes I feel like he's looking down. And even if he is, I feel like he's looking like he's using his perfect vision, yes, he's like looking yes, around, yes. He, like yeah. And he's it's it's cool to see that when they get like a close up shot of him because he's you can just see the the gears turning in his head. Um, what else? Uh, he does a good job of following his shots inside of the three-point line. Uh, he goes and gets boards on the offensive side of the ball, which they don't – I feel like they don't really teach that anymore, or that's not, like, a big thing that they stress anymore is following your shots. Um, but he does a good job of, of getting his own boards um, inside the three-point line, closer to the paint area, obviously. Um, he's great with his back to the basket. I love seeing – guards especially point guards uh being able to put a nice little post move together a couple little fakes up and unders to the basket he's a mastermind at that um it's just a good promising future for him and the Mavs organization if they can keep him happy and they can keep winning um I I'm sure me and Kev could talk about the the whole Mavs uh, organization and what he thinks they should do uh for the future but that's would probably take another whole three hours so we won't even get into that you don't um, want to start that but next <laughs> yeah next uh on my list i got kd uh averaging 29 seven and five shooting 52 from the three 43 from the uh sorry 52 from the field 43 from the three sorry about that 43 uh, I mean, it's still not yeah sorry it's crazy 43 percent yeah it's just ridiculous um i mean he's absolutely deadly from anywhere on the floor i mean that's kind of given uh, he runs the pick and roll on a level that I, I mean, it's been a while since I've seen someone run a pick and roll like he can. He, just his length adds another element to that pit, that, that pick and roll game. Cause especially with DeAndre or even with, even if they get Blake a little more involved on the pick and roll, um, being able to have that, that option to pull it up, take it to the rack or, or dish it off for a lob to somebody. I mean, you're not blocking a pass from four feet above you like you're just you're not doing that so um I mean that element um I I think he has one of the most explosive triple threat escape packages I've ever seen when he has the ball at the top of the key or on one of the wings and he's either pass dribble or shoot it's it's like once he realizes which one he's doing it's like that and it's whether it's a pass or or a shot or dribble, dude it's lightning quick and it's Someone with that size should not be able to handle the ball like he does, shoot the ball like he does, sometimes even pass the ball like he does. Um, he's not a terrible passer. 
Um, and that's just another, like I said, with Harden, you know, if one of those guys are injured, you know, you still got those two other guys, um, you know, to fall back on. Uh, so that, that would be uh, my number four would be KD. And especially coming off an injury, uh, Achilles, that's, I mean, and, and I think even of. before, I think even before the Achilles injury, even, you know, before, uh, what was the injury at before he did, he injured, was it, was it Achilles twice? No, he had the uh, well, he, he had the, ca- the Achilles in the finals. Well, he had a calf issue going into that finals. Calf issue, yeah. I knew, I knew it was the calf issue. Yeah. Um, even before all that, I think you can consider him as the number two. Um, and and with his play, I mean, he he's looking like he might be able to get back up there. Um, but five, I got same as you, Kel. I got Lillard, um, averaging thirty-four and seven, thirty points four rebounds, seven assists, uh, shooting 45% from the field, 37 from the three. I mean, the man's got unlimited range uh, with the ball in his hands at game time. You know what time it is. Uh, I think my favorite thing about him is his will to win. And he, on the court, he'll do whatever it takes to will his team to wins. Uh, I mean, whether, I mean, if, if he is feeling it that night, he's going to let you know hey, give me the rock, I'm going to shoot it, I'm going to score the ball, I'm going to get us back in this game, or I'm going to keep our lead, whatever whatever the case is. He's going to do whatever it is for the team that's going to get them the win. And whether you like it or not, uh, he's going he's gonna to get it done. Um, and he's quick, agile. Um, he'll have you stumbling at the top of the key. And the next minute he'll be rising up on your center that you'll see later on TV. <laughs> uh is a fantastic finisher at the rim with or without contact. Um, that's going back to the, the quick and agile thing I just said. Uh, he's he's one of those those swifts up and under, give you the uh, 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 tight deal around the basket. So um, he's dangerous, uh, gifted passer. Um, I consider him one of the better ball handlers in the league with his speed. Uh, it's It gets dangerous. Uh, for some of these defenders when he uh, he runs a pick and roll really well uh, too but he also can just pull up from wherever so um, but I also think him and CJ are one of the most underrated duos uh, I don't know if that's really a hot take anymore but uh, that's I thought that for a while um, at least for the last two three years since they've kind of come into their own in Portland um, I'd like to see them do something out there get another piece and see what they can do um, cause I think I think they could make a nice little playoff run I mean, they did last year, kind of. Um, I mean, they ran into the Lakers, but it was a good series. I thought but, so. Uh, yeah, those would be those would be my top five, uh, right for right now at least. And I guess for me, I, I'm gonna do my best to follow that up. Um, <laughs> all right, let me let me break it down to how I have it. So, number one, I agree with both of you guys. I have LeBron James. Number two, I have KD. Number three, I have Steph Curry. Number four, I have James Harden. And number five, I have Nikola Jokic. So I'll start with LeBron since he's number one. LeBron's been probably the best player for over a decade. The man went to pretty much every single finals from beginning of 2010 to pretty much now, outside of maybe one or two finals. That's it. So he is really the only player of this generation that has owned an extensive period of time where it's a trip to the finals or the season is just an utter failure. So 
granted, he did have a tough road, especially during some of those Cleveland years where he had to go up against Golden State, but he was a huge factor in getting one of those championships when they came back from 3-1 in the 2016 finals. And probably in his NBA career, that's probably his single most important achievement to him. I don't think he cares about the MVPs. I don't think he cares about any of the um, Offensive Player of the Year awards, scoring titles. I think that one championship meant the world to him. And without that, I think his career, in his eyes, would probably be a disappointment just because he wasn't able to bring that one championship home for Cleveland. But he was able to. Now he's continuing his level of dominance into the 2020s, which is just insane for somebody who's 36 years old and you look at this year in particular he's averaging 25 points a game he's been hurt dealing with that high ankle sprain that he suffered last week and look at the result that it has had on the lakers the lakers are probably going to lose probably 80 percent of the games that they play in when lebron's not on the court just because the impact that he brings to that team and not only just the lakers just every team that he's been on there's nowhere where they can replicate that type of production from anybody else on the court outside of when he's on the court. So I've never seen in this generation, somebody that important to their team outside of LeBron James. And this year in particular, it's proving itself again. So I'll move on to number two with Kevin Durant with Kevin Durant. He is probably one of the most just consistent best players in the league for probably the last decade. If you take LeBron out of the league, just for the sake of the argument, Kevin Durant would probably be the best player since 2012 when he was back on OKC, when they were able to get to the finals where they ended up playing Miami and LeBron and D Wade. It's just, I've said it time and time and time and again, his jumper is the silkiest shot I've ever seen. And it's just, I don't care if he's shooting it from 30 feet, 35 feet, hell, even 40 feet. I don't even think it's a bad shot. If he's double covered and he's able to get just the tiniest bit of separation, I don't think it's a bad shot just because his jump shot is that pure. And mind you, he's not like the greatest ball handler. His ball handling skills probably aren't his primary asset to his game. But the fact that he could separate at ease, could get to the lane, could kick it out if he, if need be, he is just he's just greatness personified kind of similar to LeBron. It's just LeBron's had that level of dominance to the game of basketball for the last decade. So that's why I got Katie in second. You take LeBron out of the argument. Yeah. Katie would probably be the best player in the league. It doesn't matter which team he's been on, whether it's on OKC golden state and now Brooklyn, he's just been cooking wherever he goes. He could average 30 in his sleep. Like it's nothing. So like I got, Stephen A. Smith says all the time. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. He's, he's one of the greatest shooters I've ever seen. So I'll transition to my number three pick and Steph Curry. Steph Curry is probably the one player that has had the biggest impact to the league in the last 25 years outside of Michael Jordan, his ability to knock down three point shots, like nothing and make it clockwork. That's the biggest impact to the game that he's brought. And mind you, they had a great run from 2014 
to the last year that they had Katie, which I believe was 2019. They got three titles out of it, went to five straight finals. And it was in large part due to the success of what Steph Curry was able to bring on the court day in and day out, just from a shooting perspective. Granted, he's not the greatest defender and he is a liability to a certain extent on that side of the ball, but just the wizardry of what he can do with the basketball, his handles are pretty much arguably the best in the game outside of maybe Kyrie Irving. And the fact that he could just make those step back jumpers from 30, possibly even 35 feet look easy in routine. It's just nuts to me. And mind you, he is probably single-handedly these next and these next and up and coming point guards in the league are replicating what Steph did for years when he, when, Golden State was going on their run in the middle of the 2010s. When you look at players like Trey Young, Luka Doncic, Jason Tatum, like all of these guys have this crazy step back game. And in large part, that's in part to what Steph brought to the game. Just his ability to knock down those jumpers, to knock down those just pretty floaters when he gets into the lane. He's a great player. And I've always thought that for this generation, he's had the biggest impact compared to anybody else that we'll probably see. So number four, I've got James Harden. James Harden, the reason why I have him at four is he is probably the most prolific scorer that this generation has to offer. He's been so consistent from the time that he was in Houston. Mind you, he could go out there and average 30 points. Like it's nothing very similar to what Kevin Durant could, could do. I think the one thing that people have an issue with is his style and how he gets to the, gets those points because he drives to the lane, gets those fouls, but he goes to the free throw line and knocks down those shots. And mind you, Houston did not get to the finals when James Harden was there, but he was one of the reasons why they got very close to you take James Harden away from that Houston team. Look at them now. They can't even, they can't even go, two months without winning a game you lose 20 straight games mind you if James Harden was on that team that's probably a playoff team at this point and now they're pretty much fighting the Timberwolves for the worst record in the Western Conference and the NBA to a larger extent so you look at what he's doing this year he's transitioned really well from the role that he was playing with in Houston playing with in Houston now going to Brooklyn the way that he's able to facilitate get his teammates involved I love what he's doing for Brooklyn. I didn't like the way that he kind of forced his way out of Houston, but he has backed up his play in Brooklyn. And he's probably the reason why that Brooklyn is really fighting for that number one seed in the Eastern conference right now, because KD and Kyrie have been out of the lineup, uh, been out of the lineup consistently throughout the season. So James has had to take the responsibility of carrying some of the weight for Brooklyn and they are still succeeding at a very high level and they could end up being the number one seed in the Eastern conference when it's all said and done by the end of the season. So when I look at James though, like I said, he is just a prolific scorer. Mind you, there are some great scorers in this league, like whether it was Carmelo back in the day, Bradley Beal now, even Damian Lillard. It's just, I don't think that they could score at the clip that James Harden was, especially when it was at especially when he was in Houston. 
he had a green light to go out and shoot the ball all day and he scored at will. So I got to give him credit for that. He may not be the most efficient player, but his ability to score and the ways that he does it, I got to give respect to that. So I have him at number four and at number five, this is probably going to be, I would say probably the most controversial one just because I have a big man here, Uh, but I got Nikola Jokic. The reason why I have Nikola Jokic is because I truly believe that Nikola Jokic should be the poster boy of what centers in the league are going to be for the next 10 to 15 years. There was a stretch of time where it seemed like the five spot on NBA teams seemed obsolete because they were pretty much beholden to dominating down low down low and getting rebounds. Now you're seeing the evolution of the five spot and Nikola Jokic is really the one leading the way. His ability to score, his ability to rebound, and his ability to facilitate with assists is, for a big man, is unlike anything that I've seen. His offensive skills is the reason why Denver is a playoff team because when you look at what's happened with Denver this year, they've had a lot of COVID issues. They've had some injuries that they've had to deal with. And Jokic is just going out there and balling on a consistent level. I remember I was watching one of these games just a couple of days ago where they had a stat of all the categories that Nikola Jokic was leading the way in. It was, I mean, you want to talk about points. You want to talk about rebounds, assists, PER plus minus granted there were probably five or six more categories that he was leading in just for Denver. Like the impact of him to the team that Denver has is undeniable. And he, he to me is the guy that is leading the way for centers and their ability to be a consistent jump shooter, not only just from the mid range, but from the three point as well, he's averaging over 40% behind the three line this year, which is nuts for a big man. Granted, he's not taking probably the volume of shots to somebody like Steph Curry, uh, Trey young, Kevin Durant, but the fact that you're getting that level of production from the five spot on your team behind the three point line, that is just crazy to me. And it is kind of emblematic of the transition that you've seen from players like Dwight Howard, where, they were great down low, but they can't really shoot a mid-range jump shot or even a three-point shot. Nikola Jokic is really the antithesis of somebody like Dwight Howard, where his versatility is unmatched at that position. So you just look at Jokic. I Granted, Denver doesn't really have the best record in the Western Conference. They're still a playoff team. But the reason why they're still a viable and competitive team in the Western Conference is simply because of what Jokic is able to do day in and day out and the analytics side of things because the analytic bros got on me for not calling him the MVP a couple of weeks ago, or at least a front runner for it. But analytically speaking, this dude is a monster. And I think Nikola Jokic is one of those players that doesn't necessarily get the shine that he deserves. I, I do agree with you guys with Damian Lillard. He's another player that I think, is a great player, but doesn't necessarily get the MVP nods that he should because he's on a team like Portland and Portland isn't really a team in the top two or top three in the Western conference. I think the same goes with Nikola Jokic. I just think that what Nikola Jokic does has a bigger impact than somebody like Damian Lord. It's very small though. They're very close, but I got Nikola. So, but those are my top five. All right. So obviously I went first, so I'm a, finally get into mine i'll be quick since a lot of mine are similar to yours 
Uh, obviously, LeBron James, number one, been doing it since he came into the league up until this point, 36 years old. Arguably, I know Kyle already put this video out a couple of months ago, if not, what, almost a year ago already, that Braun versus MJ debate, like I said, arguably the greatest player of all time, LeBron James, mm -hmm. has been doing it at a consistent pace at a clip in which we've never seen before. Probably one of the most electrifying players, game-changing players we have ever seen and ever watched in our lifetime, aside from like Kobe Bryant. And for those of you that are a little bit older than Kyle and I, um, you know, um, Michael Jordan, we would, we would, you would have seen the tail end of Michael. Um, it's just, I hated him for so long. Uh, obviously I had my own personal reasons to not liking him as an individual and on the court, but to watch him do this, I mean like day in and day out game and game, you know, postseason after postseason, finals after finals, like watching that stretch, of Braun in the finals against Golden State. Yes, he only won one of them, but his averages in that finals were, were damn near triple-doubles. And I mean, like, fractions away from triple-doubles with over 30-something points per game in that whole series. So, I mean, LeBron James, by far, even at 36, is still the greatest player in this league right now. Number two, Kevin Durant. Uh, I've loved Kevin since he came out of Texas in 07. What was it, 07, 08, something like that? Him and Greg Oden? Yeah, somewhere around there. So, I mean, just, just watching somebody at 6'11", 7 feet with sneakers, whatever it is you want to call them, whatever measurement you want to take on the day, to, to be able to pull up, be as explosive, and like Kyle said, off the dribble, you know, actually use some of his handles at that point, pull up wherever you have to. I know a lot of games he said he – I know a lot of times after games he said he emulated Dirk Nowitzki because he, he saw a big be able to shoot at a consistent clip like Dirk Nowitzki did in his career. But Kevin obviously being more athletic, more agile, um, he just took that whole persona of big men can't shoot. And at 6'11", he played the three for the majority of his career, and he lit it up. And like Kyle said, if LeBron wasn't in the league, Kevin would have been doing it for quite some time already. Him coming off of an Achilles injury to still basically be the exact same type of player that he has been his entire career at, what, 32? Kevin's also mm -hmm. in his 30s. So the, he's just cooking at a clip, like Dawson said, 52% from the field, 43% from the three-point line. Granted, he's been a close contact exposure due to COVID about two or three times already. He's now battling a hamstring injury. But, I mean, Kevin Durant himself as a player can literally take, I can't believe, almost two years off and still cook the way he's been cooking. So he has to stay at number two for me because of just how dominant and how mm -hmm. consistent he's been. And despite this injury, he's still doing what he's got to do. At number three, James Harden. Like Kyle said, since the transition over to Brooklyn, I hated how he kind of handled that whole situation of being traded out of Houston. Uh, I thought he was a diva for it. Uh, I will disagree with Kyle uh, at, to the point of him saying he's the greatest scorer we've ever seen. Um, he I can kiss that. my ass. I said that. You, 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 said, you said he was one of the greatest scorers we've ever seen. Of this generation. Yeah, as I said, we, 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 this generation. Yeah, he is. We didn't, we didn't watch Michael. We were too young. We saw Kobe. We didn't see you know, people that were electrified. We didn't see Wilt averaging 39. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm, I'm saying in general. Um, I just disagree. When you put up a volume of shots that Harden does, when you go to the free throw line as much as Harden does, and a lot of times we do know that Harden does like to do that run, swipe, and up kind of maneuver. And it, it's smart. You know, you got to finesse the system, find a way to get your team to score, find a way to get into a rhythm. I understand that. But my problem with James on the scoring aspect is um, – if it ain't broke, don't fix it. In his mind is if I'm 0 for 11, I'm still going to keep shooting. And in the NBA, it doesn't work like that because you hinder your team. And the big portion of that reality was when they were playing against 
what was it, Golden State in that game seven match, and they shot like, I don't know how many threes consecutively they missed. He missed like 17 total threes or something. It was ridiculous. It was like 30 that they missed. He has, he, I want to say he it was 27, has, I think. Yeah, the most consecutive missed three point attempts was by the Rockets in that game. Yeah. But the point is, uh, James wasn't making it any easier. James was not you know, trying to say change it up, attack the basket. We do know that James is a very dynamic player when it turn, when when it comes to uh, shifting his weight and you know him being one of the more prolific euro steppers we've ever seen out there, other than Mono Ginobili and such. Um, James Harden is definitely one of the better scorers we have at this moment and that that we have seen. But the, uh, Kevin Durant is the the greatest scorer in the world ever because he does it with ease whenever he wants at all times. There's no question. Kevin knows that, all right, my jumper ain't on. I'm going to cook you off my dribble. All right, I can't cook you off the dribble. I'll put you in the post. He's a walking mismatch for the rest of his life. And even at 50, he's going to drop buckets somewhere in the world. That He's just absolutely stunning, absolutely incredible. Like I said, uh, James is three, uh, but James is three because of how he is carrying Brooklyn, even without his two running mates. He is still continuing to be a consistent scorer in the league while at the same time facilitating. We all thought that, how were these three-headed monsters of Kyrie, Kevin, and Harden going to get along? Or who's going to take the last shot? Who's going to score the most points? He's showing that he doesn't even need to score that much because he can facilitate a lot. And like Dawson said, what is it, 20, 25, 8, and 11? Uh, I'm almost positive. You know what I'm saying? I'm going off memory, but I'm pretty sure that's what you said. Yeah. So yeah. We're, we're, two, we're two rebounds shy of a triple double for someone that just got to this team this season. And he's just putting up astronomical numbers. I believe he's the first player in NBA history to go 40, 15 and 15. Uh, are you kidding me right now? Like what, who, who does that? So James Harden, definitely number three for me. Um, number four, I have to put Wardell Curry because this man has shown after he broke his hand, that team went from probably one of the greatest dynasties that this generation has seen, arguably one of the greatest dynasties that the NBA has ever seen to picking second overall in the draft. I mean, if that's not an absolute plummet, I don't know what is. It's not a, it's not a, a step down or two steps. They went from the best to the worst real quick. And Steph this season with pretty much that same roster, aside from the acquisition of, or the draft, the, the drafting of James Wiseman and the bringing on of Kelly Oubre um, has been pretty much poop without Steph. And Steph's averaging damn near 30 points a game. And he is absolutely carrying this team to relevance. Uh, they have dropped out of the playoff seat as of right the second. Dallas transitioned into seventh last night with our win. And San Antonio fell to eighth. So Golden State's right behind them. But for this team with this roster to be in the position that they're in to even compete in the West is absolutely insane. The man scored over 50, I believe, three times this season already. And one of them was against us. So I watched that whole game. And to see him just, it looked like he didn't skip a beat. Granted, it wasn't a lower leg injury. It wasn't an Achilles injury. A broken hand is relatively easy to come back from, you know, in terms of like, you know, just making sure that your hand is fully healed. But right now he's dealing with a tailbone injury and we saw that it looked a little silly in terms of the replay, but it goes to show you can get hurt pretty much doing anything. And Golden State hasn't been doing exactly great without him. But Steph Curry just showed even with a year off, even with a whole new team, even with scrubs, he's still going to go out there. He's going to do what he has to do and will them to win similar to, to Damian Lillard. But that transitions into my fifth pick, which is Damian Lillard, because like Dawson said, he's been getting the attention all of these years, but he hasn't gotten the spotlight. It's been Dame time. It's been Logo Lillard. It's been Portland is is a, is a bottom tier seated team. They're just they're just relevant because of him. Um, him and CJ McCollum, like Dawson also said, are probably one of the better uh, tandems in the league. 
they're just a walking mismatch on defense because they're undersized. You know, CJ's like 6'2", 6'3", Dame's like 6'2", 6'3". You know, obviously a lot of these bigger guards on the pick and roll, you switch. You know, I, I could even be wrong on the height aspect of it. You know, you don't quote me on that, but they're two of the shorter guards in the league. They're two of the better scorers, but um, back to Damian Lillard. I mean, I, I, last year in the bubble really solidified it for me because I forget who it was that disrespected him. I think it was Skip Bayless. Um, he said something off to Dame and Dame snapped. And it was, of course, for whatever reason, when people piss players off, it has to fucking be against the Mavericks. I don't know what it is, but it's always like you say some stupid ass shit and then it turns into, yo, the Mavs got blown up by 50 by somebody. And what did Dame do? He dropped like 53 points and he solidified goal, uh, Portland going into the postseason with the eighth seed. It was ridiculous. He was a man on a mission. Uh, also similar to what Dawson said, I'm just doing a lot of reiterations right now. He's probably one of the best pick and roll players in the game because he knows exactly what to do and when to do it. He knows when he's coming off that screen to pull up immediately as the guard is coming over, as the center is trying to recover, he's going to draw the foul. He knows if he takes a little hesitation dribble, they're going to jump. He's going to go around. He's either going to dish it down low on the, on the roll or he's going to go up strong and finish up. His range is similar, if not the exact same as Steph Curry's because this man in the all-star game pulled up from basically half court, just like Steph did. So there is no limitation to the man's scoring ability either. But what, what, what motivates me to pick this is because he's averaging 30. Portland is in a better position than they have been in some time. I believe they're, uh, they're sixth right now or fifth. They're like, like si- that. They're sixth. Because so, Denver slid back up, right? Okay, so they're, they're, they're not better than what they have been in some time. They're pretty much on the same consistent basis. But uh, Melo's playing great. CJ's coming back off of injury. And Portland is just playing at a very, uh, a very efficient way. And that's all in thanks to Damian Lillard literally carrying the weight of this organization on his shoulders since he's gotten into the league. And let's not front. He's one of the clutchest shooters in the game right now that isn't Steph or that isn't Kyrie Irving because we all saw the step back against Paul George. We all saw what he does when it becomes Dame time. We all saw what he did in the bubble. And it just it goes to show when you piss him off, he's only going to play better. And he deserves to be in this top rankings because this is a year for Dame to actually get some votes. And I think he rightfully deserves it, man. But that's my top five. That's a good list. You guys have really good list, just to be 100% honest with you. And Yours is good, too. What? I, I, it's just like, it, like, by, like by and large, like we have basically like four out of the five players. It's just really kind of the yeah. last. It, it comes down to maybe like the last spot at the number five where we may disagree. I went with a big with Nikola Jokic simply because I think just the way that I look at Nikola Jokic, with the way that that five spot is now beginning to catch up with the rest of the league, Nikola Jokic is the reason why. I think with Damian Lillard, granted he's been great, but I think in large part he has – this is very difficult for me to say. It's You guys can dunk on me when it comes to saying this. I think the way that Damian has played, I think to a, to somewhat – He's riding the coattails off of what Steph Curry's done. Now, granted, they've been playing – Damian's been phenomenal, especially the last couple of years. But I think Steph was the guy that pushed that position to where it is now, and I think Damian is one of the beneficiaries of that. That's how I kind of see it. That's why I didn't have Damian in my list. It's just because I see what Nikola Jokic is doing for the five spot. Granted, Damian's been – a great player. Lillard's been outstanding. It's just that the impact that 
Damian has brought, I think is in large part a secondary impact of what Steph has done. Steph was the guy that pushed that position forward to where it is now. That's the, the really detailed dis- like distinction between why I have Nikola Jokic at number five compared to Damian Lillard. Well, we, we would all know Steph changed the sport of basketball forever. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, you're, you're seeing kids from a, as young as, as middle school to, to AAU to high school. The biggest thing now is to hit a three and turn around and walk away and you're cool as shit or to pull mm-hmm. away from 30 rather than go after a layup on a mismatch. It's he in a lot of people's minds. Actually, my friends are on their way here. If, if Ricky would have been here to Ricky, Steph ruined the game of basketball. And in, in part, I do partially agree with him because, like I just said, you're encouraging people to just shoot. Basketball is so much more than jump shots. There are just some people like myself that can't fucking shoot. Uh, that doesn't mean I'm going to pull up 15 times because Steph's doing it. But kids are seeing it. Kids are seeing other players like Lillard doing it and, and players like Kevin Durant and James Harden. And they're saying, oh, volume shooters, that's the way to get better. I just got to get a jump shot. And to an extent, yes, it is a, a, a very good craft to have. It's a good arsenal in your, in your utility belt to have, you know, be able to shoot the basketball consistently. But at the pace that these players are at, at this point in the game that are doing it, uh, when Steph started to change that and he became the three-point specialist, is going to shatter Ray Allen's record really soon. But it's the point of Steph changed the whole aspect of the game. And in large, Golden State is why the five spot has kind of phased its way out because they were kind of the, the one of the first – first organizations to start running that small ball death lineup with Draymond at six, eight at the five. And they've, everyone's kind of eliminated that aspect. Everyone wants that two way big or that big, they can stretch the floor or that big that can guard like bam out of bio, so to speak, and still play defense at the rim. So, I mean, Steph Curry is literally, if you put Steph on like a, on a, on a map, the things that have trickled off or put him at the top of the tree, the things that have resulted because of his play are incredible. And he's one of the most impactful players in sports because he legitimately changed how basketball is nowadays. And it's just insane. There's very few people that have ever been able to do that. And he's one of them. Oh yeah. I mean, well, other than, other than that, um, in terms of NBA news, that's about everything that we have for you guys. Um, Dawson, I wanted to put you on the spot really quick. I know we haven't spoken in a while, but uh, baseball season is here. I see the Cubby symbol behind you. Uh, I know you guys won the World Series in 2016, ending that 109-year drought. Uh, but I did, however, I, I got to chop you up real quick. I did see one of your um, younger players get arrested for 21 keys of, of meth in his duffel bag. So um, uh, what what in the fuck is going on in Chi-Town, man? What, what, <laughs> what y'all I, doing over there, bro? I, I saw the report. I didn't even click it because I was like, Are you, you got to be kidding me. So I'll, I'll have to d- dive into that one uh, later tonight. But I did see that report, but um, I don't know too much about it. I just know it was a lot of drugs. So um, probably nothing good coming towards so him. fucking uh, wait, sucks. boy. He's going to jail. Yeah, he, he might be going away for a little while. Um, I will say uh, as far as the, the whole team, I guess um, – I like uh, I like the Jock Peterson signing. Uh, I think I was talking to my buddy um, who uh, is a Yankees fan. He was telling me that uh, he sent me a post that I have right here on Instagram. Uh, so in an eight game stretch, uh, he was hitting five twenty nine, five homers, nine RBIs, and had a two point zero seven one OPS. 
And I sent back to him. I was like, yeah, I was considering getting his jersey, but I'm thinking I might now. And he was, uh, he was just saying how um, he, like, he kind of feels like it's a good fit in Chicago for him because in L.A. he, was, he wasn't really playing full seasons. He was more of like a utility uh, type of player um, in certain situations. So, uh, and, I, and I agreed with him on that. And I just think with him being on this roster, um, if he's going to be starting every game, I think it'll allow him to obviously get into the flow of things there in Chicago um, and, you know, obviously develop those relationships with those players that he's going to be uh, alongside. Um, and I just think if he can get settled in and get comfortable um, night in and night out, uh, I think I think he'll have a, a decent season. I mean, if he can hit home runs like he was in L.A., then, um, I mean, we won't have nothing to complain about. <laughs> so he got the smallest um, field in baseball. So, I mean, him being yeah, a lefty I mean, going to that field, it's not going to be that uncommon. Yeah, and and then as far as, like, our pitching goes, like, we, we offloaded a, a good amount of our pitching um, options. I mean, with you going, uh, you Darvis San headed, Diego. Uh, um, yeah, I mean, San Diego's scary. Not even going to talk about them. Uh, but and then we go out and sign Jake Arrieta, whose ERA has risen every year in the past five seasons, with last year hitting like 480 or something like that, or maybe close to five. It was, it was ridiculous. So, um, I saw a little quote that, uh, I had, I was on this website, and, um, it says that in a league that's, uh, zigging, the Cubs are, uh, sorry, in a league that's zagging for more velocity, the Cubs are zigging with soft tossers, uh, such as like Kyle Hendricks and and uh, Davies at the helm. And I was like, good Lord, they're just just coming at us right now as far as our- You're chopping our boys up. <laughs> yeah, I was just like, I was like, oh man, it's going to be a, a tough season on defense. But um, I also think that if- I don't even want to say midseason. It could be even before midseason. Um, if we start to sputter, uh, just because we haven't signed, re-signed KB or uh, Rizzo, I could definitely see both of them possibly getting moved. For for the I audience's purposes, KB being Chris Bryant. Right? Oh, Chris Bryant. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Chris Bryant. You good? Uh, I yeah, like I said, I can see them possibly uh, trying to move them before the deadline if for some reason we just can't get it going or there's some sort of locker room turmoil or whatever the case may be. If some, if it goes downhill, I, I wouldn't be surprised. I don't want it to happen, but I wouldn't be surprised if, if, if they did try to do something with those two guys, if not both in one of them. Um, I don't know how to pronounce this guy's last name. It's either Migo or Migal, uh, but his first name is Trevor. Uh, it's a six foot eight, two hundred fifty pound lefty that can hit triple digits on his fastball. Um, he's twenty seven. We got him from the Padres. Is like Grok um, on the is like be, Grok on the pitcher's mound? It might as well six be eight. Six, eight, six, eight, six, eight, six, eight. I mean, Stanton is six eight, and Judge is six seven. That's like Braun pitching. Yeah, Basically. And, I mean he's hit he's hitting triple digits on his fastball, so um, I'm interested to see uh, how he plays. Um, I do have I do have bad vibes for the overall tone of the season, uh, just because our bas our baseball uh, president of baseball ops said that this year is going to be a transition year, um, and that they're already hearing talks of a big sell off before the deadline, which in turn makes me think 
Chris Bryant and or Anthony Rizzo, possibly. Um, but with all that being said about possible, uh, you know, possibly having a bad season, with all that being said, if Jock can, like I said, hit home runs like he did um, and find his little uh, niche or niche, however you want to pronounce it, uh, in, in the roster, um, I think if Jay Hay or Jason Hayward can uh, get into the get into his like last season, I think he was they, him and Ian Happ were both hitting over 250. Um, I think if they can keep that up um, this season, uh, and and if Chris Bryant, Rizzo, and even Javi uh, Baez, if they can all get back to at least those three oh. other guys, Javi Baez, Rizzo, and and Bryant, if they can get back to their averages and and home run totals from like 2019. Um, and then if we can get Happ and Jay Hay playing like they were um, last year, uh, we could have a scary offense. Um, that's that's like not the part that I'm really too worried about, our offense. I think if we can get the bats going, I think we'll be okay. Um, but it's that it's the defense that worries me, man. It's it's it scares me, at least pitching wise. I'm I'm not too worried as far as position players go, but if we got to get some sort of uh, consistency on the mound, whether it's starters, relievers, closers. I think we got Craig Crumble uh, or Kimbrough again uh, for another year. And I mean, he's, he's okay. He's not that all that impressive, but not anymore. The div- but our division is just all around bad kind of. So it gives me like that little flicker of hope. I, I mean, watch out for them Cardinals can... boy. They yeah. signed Ari- nice. uh, Ar- Arnado. Uh, I mean, is. we'll see. We'll see. I mean, uh, I, I don't want to discredit him or anything like that. It's just I, I got to see it first is what I'm trying to say I, before I give him any type of props. Yeah. Um, you know, barring, you know, anything disastrous throughout, you know, the season, I could see us finishing top two if we can get our act together. Um, oh, like you did last but, you year know. when you lost to the Marlins? All right, bro. Let's not do that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, three game series. First of all, the Marlins was just that was just doomed from the from the get go. So that that was a scary those those first three guys we had to see on the mound um, were that was just not a ideal situation. They were they were nasty. It's okay. Hey, man, listen, coming from a, a diehard in my veins, you already know we're both wishing for the Cub Yankee World Series so we can go together. We've talked about it for years. Um, as a Yankee fan, pitching has been a problem of ours since our 2009 championship run. So I can't sit here and say that I'm not shitting a, shitting a brick. Like the offense is my last worry, especially with the power that we have, you know, in that order. You know what I mean? In Aaron Judge and Stanton, obviously, in uh, Glaber Torres up and coming, DJ LeMahieu and so on and so forth. I'm not bringing up Gary Sanchez. Go fuck yourself, Kyle. Um, God forbid I bring you know, up his name. And we're not going to talk about him. So I, I, p- pitching is just, it, it's a big thing for us outside of Garrett Cole. I don't know if Corey Kluber was the answer this all season. I don't know if, if Tomlin was the, the answer as well. Obviously we let go of Tanaka. We're not getting Severino back until probably mid July. Um, Francis, uh, Francisco, what's his name? Herman, whatever his first name is, Herman, the guy that got an 80 game suspension uh, this time last season, he's back in the rotation. Everybody says he's looking like he's back to, you know, he's back to form. And, uh, you know, we got Jordan Montgomery in year five or six up in, uh, up, up in the pros. So, I mean, you know, our pitching has potential. But, again, you know, I, it's like you said, I got to see it with my own eyes before I go and try to make any predictions. Oh, uh, the bullpen, uh, Zach Britton's out. Uh, obviously, Aroldis Chapman is leading the way in the back half of it. But we did go and get uh, Sean O'Day. 
uh, sidearm pitcher from Baltimore who has great off speed. So I am excited to say the least to see how the bullpen kind of pans out. But again, if our starters are shit from the get and we can't even get four or five innings out of it, we're going to burn on our bullpen like we did uh, two years ago. So, I mean, we'll, we'll just have to see what happens on our aspect of it. I mean, baseball as a whole, I'm just excited that opening day is like six days away. I miss baseball. I miss watching baseball. I just, I literally miss there being a game on every day, even if it isn't the Yankees. I've grown to appreciate it that much more since I've left New York because I had the Yes Network my whole life and Yankee games were on every day. And I was just like, man, I'm tired of watching the, like we win. Like we were just so good. I was annoyed that we were on TV. I moved here and now we fucking, you know, going through the shits. And, uh, you know, it, it sucks that we don't have the option to watch every day. And, and by we, I mean myself yeah. now that I'm out here by myself. But uh, I'm just hyped that baseball is here, man. I really I really can't wait. And I, I think if I were to give my preseason prediction uh, for, for, for a champion, I think it's going to be the Dodgers because they went and got Trevor Bauer and they retained that pretty much that entire roster other than Peterson. Uh, and they are probably one of the scariest teams in all of the MLB. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they were to go back to back, man. I really wouldn't. Yeah, I personally, as much as I want us to succeed, I wouldn't doubt that we don't even make the playoffs this year. Just, no, we're gonna if, make. If we don't playoffs, get it clicking. I just, I just, I just don't <laughs> see us like, personally. But we'll, you know, I hope, I hope we do, we do well. Kev, if the Yankees don't make the World Series, not the World Series, if they Ooh. don't make the playoffs this year, man, I'm going to give you nothing but grief. For the red, when it gets to September or October, and they're not making the playoffs, I'm just if they have me on speed dial, they have me on speed dial. They don't want to hear my mouth. (laughs) I'm I'm just, I'm, I'm just gonna let people know if the Yankees don't make the playoffs this year, Kevin's Twitter is gonna light up the Yankees organization unlike anything that you guys have ever seen. Like Kevin might go to jail for some of the things that he says if. The Yankees don't make the playoffs. Okay. This year. Like, okay. This 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 is going to go on the internet, so let's not advertise prison at any I, point before people think I'm going to do something harmful. All right, I'm, I'm just, fine. If I know, I'm if just I know the Mavs or the Yankees are playing, I stay off Twitter for that night because I know Kev's out there just absolutely digging into something. Like that's I'm, how I wait till the end of the night. That's how diehard Kevin is for the Yankees. Absolutely. Like I, I've never seen anybody get like so up when the Yankees went and so down like to where he's just annihilating the team just criticizing them when it's not the team don't... it's one person it's fucking one person <laughs> <laughs> what did I say bro he's been balling all spring training you don't want to give him his credit he has like the fourth highest OPS in spring training at least give him Dawson, something Dawson you played baseball your whole life. If you do good in fucking in in in, in warmups and in practice and in, in in winter ball, does that mean shit for the season? I mean, no, but it's good for it's good going into the season. It's, it's good it's confidence. Congratulations. He don't need confidence. He needs common sense. If it's fucking in the dirt all the way over there, don't swing. You have a thirty-four inch bat. That doesn't mean you have a seventy-inch bat that's gonna fucking take the ball the whole way. I'm tired of it. I'm over it. Learn to have plate discipline. Calm we, the fuck down. I mean, we've got to bet that he's, if he bats 250 by the all-star, by the all-star break, break, that Kev's got to wear one of those, like, cheap Yankee T-shirts with Sanchez's name on the back. Uh, <laughs> I, originally said, I originally said Jersey, but I know Kevin oh, no, is I, good I, at I, no, Personally no, – no, no. Personally, I think it should be a jersey, but that's just me. That, does, it I mean, do, does it look like I got money for that? <laughs> you can start a GoFundMe. 
Yeah, exactly. Bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Unless we, you hooking it up. We we could I don't know. Well we could do the Gary Sanchez uniform fund. Gary, I swear, uh, man, you start a GoFundMe for this. I swear we're gonna have problems. I'll go up. I definitely I definitely think we could make that happen. Yeah, I, you I, know I, what? You know what? Get, just just for the sake of it, just for the sake of the YouTube, I guarantee we get no money aside from the two of you. Um, we can start a GoFundMe page. And ladies and gentlemen, if you want to donate to this GoFundMe page just to spite me and my hatred of Gary Sanchez, by all means. <laughs> that doesn't mean I'm going to spend it on that. I might go buy a pack of beer or something. I don't know. Oh, no. It will go to a jersey. And I, I mean, I'll tell you this, Kev. I mean, the Yankees are still up here in Tampa. I mean, I could go get this jersey right now and get it signed for you, you know, it, just in case that uh, Kyle, he bets Kyle, 250. I'm just saying. Kyle. Kyle, listen, listen. They're right down the road, I think. Exactly. Let me let me me explain something to you. This is how much I don't want that jersey. I have about 40 rolls of toilet paper in this house. If that jersey enters my doorway, I'm going to have more toilet paper. Let's put it that way. (laughs) I thought you were just going to put a lighter to it and just burn it. Yeah. No, see, see, see. No, no, no. See, I'm still Hispanic. I got to be useful. That's wasted money. If I could wipe my ass (laughs) or use it as a rag, that's fine. It works for me. It may not be the softest, but it won't go to waste. I mean, it's still pinstripes, bro. You got to respect the jersey. No, I don't respect him. Respect the stripes, man. Respect the stripes. Hey, you got your own shit to worry about over there in Chicago. Well, let me worry about my shitty catcher. Like, literally, like, this is my like this season for baseball is just kind of like my year to kind of like get back into the sport of baseball just because yeah. I've largely paid attention more to basketball, um, the NFL, and now UFC. UFC is like one of the sports that I actually genuinely enjoy. So this is kind of like my season to kind of get back into the swing of things, no pun intended, for baseball. And the second reason why is just to dunk on kevin about gary sanchez the entire year that's all i'm gonna do i'm gonna devote this season to, to just that's fine listen when we get to the latter part of the year when it's like people are competing for seating and division and gary sanchez shits the bed bro you gonna block me i shit you not you're gonna block me bro i'm gonna blow you up on every platform because this man has a <laughs> tendency to be really good when it has no fucking matter in the season or in the game. Like, we're down 9-0, and he hits a fucking 478-foot moonshot, and he walks around the bases like he just won the game. I'm like, bro, it's bottom nine, and we have one run. If you don't hurry to fuck up for the next batter to go up, I'm going to smack the shit out of you. You know who's starting day one catcher for the Yankees? Man, I'm telling you, Boone did that as a fucking political shit because that don't make no sense. That's for Gary's mental because it's been Kyle Hashigoka for the last eight games. There's no reason why you put Gary behind the mound. You got to go with veteran leadership, bro. Kyle's been in the Yankee organization for like eight years. He's been on the Yankees longer than Gary. It is what it is, bro. Shut the fuck up. You don't know nothing. You still owe me a case. We'll see what happens with the Russell Wilson thing, man. Because apparently, I forgot. I think Pat McAfee said somebody in the Seahawks or, or Bears organization that said we're not giving up on Russell or whatever. That's just you saving face for the fact that you're probably going to be down two cases because Russell started hey, day one. Oh, hey, 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 hey! <laughs> if they don't sign no help, this man Russell going to start, but he's not going to make it out of that damn game. Let me tell you something. Okay. Yeah. Okay. We'll see. I know they want to be there. I I owe you 24 beers as of right now. If it it turns into 48, then so be it. But hopefully I can even it out and become zero again. We'll see what happens. Don't worry. Seattle, don't let me down. Don't worry. We'll have 
plenty of more bets. So you'll have a, plenty more time to at least uh, dig yourself out of the hole that you're in right now. So don't worry about that. It's getting ridiculous, man. Every episode for the last, I don't know, two weeks, you've brought up this fucking piece of shit. It's just ridiculous. <laughs> Get my blood boiling. Having a great episode with my friend Dawson, and you got to go and fuck you up. Because you brought up what you brought up the Yankees and just I mean I asked you about not... the Bears. I wasn't not going to rebuttal with my own team. I can't just ask for facts and then not give facts back. How's that work? You just call us the the Bears, the the Cubs. The same. It's an animal, right? Same yeah. thing. It's in the it's in the bear family. <laughs> I guess. Cut me some slack, man. I'm agitated right now. This man kind of got me fucked up. All right, I'll take it. I'll take it. I'll take it. And it's, just, it's just the Yankees. It's just see Kevin always talks about the positives, the but the positive projections of the team, and he just he never ever mentions about Gary Sanchez and the possibility that what he may do great things. About this man, he batted zero last postseason. Zero. <laughs> zero. I'm just saying, man. It's a he new had year. Four starts. He batted zero. Listen, it's a new he year. He went up to the plate over cle- twenty times and struck out fourteen times. He batted zero. He's going down Zero. swinging though. He's going down Zero. swinging. Zero. Swinging at air, Kyle. I can go up there and do that too. <laughs> the difference is I have no shot of making contact. Listen. Gary, if he waits, he can actually hit the ball because we know he has power and we know he can put the ball in play better than I can. But, you know, I can swing at hot garbage and know that I'm not going to hit it too, but I'm going to walk off the plate being upset. He walks off the plate saying, eh. Get it next time. No, you won't. You're listen, gonna be worse next time. Listen, the model that I'm gonna put for Gary Sanchez this year is just simple. It's simple as this: new year, new me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, that's the end of the episode. We're gonna wrap it up here. <laughs> I figured, Kevin, you'd like that one. Come on. I just I, no. There's no new anything about Gary Sanchez other than maybe a haircut. That's it. Other than Gary's the same thing every game. I know Kevin's like low key ready to have a stroke right now. I'm ready to have a stroke. I'm just agitated because you truly believe or you just, you know what? You're just doing this to get under my skin. I'm not even going to let it bother me anymore. You know why? Because there's just no point in getting agitated because you don't really care about the season. (laughs) I do. Listen, yay sports. That's what my motto is for baseball this year. Yay sports. Yay sports. Oh, man. We are definitely ending it on that note. We've been doing this podcast forever, and you're going to say yay sports, London Tipton? I'm just saying, like, I'm going into this year with baseball with just no expectations whatsoever. But I know one thing. I'm going to be having Gary Sanchez on my back the entire season just because someone's going to be there for him. Keep him there. As long as he's not playing at (laughs) 7 o'clock on damn opening day, you can be at your house all you want. Are you going to turn the TV off whenever he goes to bat? I don't have to turn the TV off. I don't have to watch it. I already know it's out. (laughs) Unless we're fucking down 100. It's, it's just, God, man, there's no player in my mind that I've hated or disliked so much on any team I've ever had, other than the one person Kyle named the other day, which was Mike Vanderjet, the former kicker of the Colts before Vinatieri got there. Other than that, truthfully, there's never been a player I've despised more. Holy fucking tits, man. I just, I, Jesus, mother of God, I can't. Oh, my blood. Wrapping this episode up. Hold up. I gotta Hold go up. take a shower. I'm but, but before we wrap this up, Dawson, can you just back up just a little bit so you could show what's on your t-shirt real quick? Oh. So if you guys can't see it, you know, Tom Brady's got seven rings up there. And just to kind of give you an idea of where Gary Sanchez is in Kevin's mind, is either 
Gary Sanchez is going to hit the ball seven times this season or his batting average is going to be seven. It's just kind of how I think Kevin sees it. But I think he's, I think he's trifling. I think he's wrong. I think uh, Gary Sanchez is going to be, uh, he's going to be okay. He's going to be okay. Yeah, he's going to be okay. He's going to be okay. I'm not going to be okay if we keep talking about this fucking guy. I mean, Kev, is there anything else that you want to talk about this episode? Because we can keep going. I've had enough. I've had enough of both of you, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Dawson, I'm just glad you're here to just experience just the fun that I have on every single episode with Kev, especially when I bring up somebody like Gary Sanchez. Love, love seeing uh, Kev have a have a meltdown every once in a while. It's it's good. I'm glad. Good I'll be good. I'll be it's in good. your mentions. It's good entertainment. It's good entertainment. Don't. I'm and, so and, glad that both of you love to see me suffer. I Kevin, really do. Just FYI, when you post this to Twitter tomorrow, just make sure you tag Gary Sanchez in it, just because I think he. I'm not tagging him. I don't want him to see. It. I don't care. <laughs> Come on, make man! Sure It'll be fun. Tagged. It'll be fun. We'll make sure he gets tagged. It'll be fine. Come on. What? Another another freaking athlete going to block me? I can't have the Yankees going. I don't like him. <laughs> I mean, you could be at least a little bit fair. Is that too much to ask for? Man, can we wrap this up? I got things to do, guys. Jesus. <laughs> All right. So with that said, you guys, it'll wrap it up. I will just want to say from my end, I want to appreciate Dawson for taking the time out of his day to be on the podcast with us and hopefully down the road that we could have you on again, especially, you know, we could definitely use your, your baseball expertise, especially when we get down to the nitty gritty of the baseball season or during the, the, uh, the summer months, we'll definitely be more than happy to have you back on at any point. Just let us know. Yeah, for sure, man. Anytime I'm, uh, I'm usually pretty free. So uh, yeah, just let me know. I'll, I'll be there. Thanks for having me on. Had a good yep. time. For sure. Kev, you want to say anything on your end? Uh, Big D, appreciate you for coming on the show, man. Like I said from the beginning, you have been incredible as a friend and as a supporter. Like, from the bottom of my heart, sincerity, like, you are always there. And I just want to say thank you for being on today's episode. Um, Kyle actually lives in Tampa as well. I know when I go up there, we'll probably do an actual episode uh, with two of us in the same room. So, I mean, I know that that would be pretty cool. We can actually get some 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 good content with that. And, I mean, like, I'll let you know when I'm coming up. Maybe we could do something, you know, maybe like a guest feature. Yeah, for sure. And uh, we, we would love to have you on again, like Kyle said. And uh, we can't wait until, uh, you know, next episode, next time. Yeah, for sure. Even if um even if y'all don't do a, a guest speaker for that episode or whatever, you can go out and get some drinks or something. Go get some food. For sure. I'm down. I'll always I'll do whatever, man. Definitely down. Definitely down. I need to drink whenever I'm around Kyle. Oh, God. Remember that Miami trip, Kev? We don't talk about that on air. That was a, that was, that was a fun trip. We don't talk least, about that on air. At least I was sober enough to at least uh, experience it all. We don't talk all. about that on air. Damn it, Kyle. Pick up the hit. Drop it. <laughs> so with that said, you guys, just thank you guys for tuning in. Just thank you for the support wherever we can get it. And Kev, what do you think's on the agenda for next week? Just to kind of give uh, the audience a little bit of it a heads up for what we got next week. Well, well, like I said, baseball starts, I believe Wednesday, I think it's Wednesday. So, I mean, one of our episodes will be opening day, kind of going over what, what we saw, what we didn't see. Um, the NBA trade deadline is, it's, it's here and gone. Uh, the NFL free agency is, I mean, it's active, but the best part about it is pretty much uh, over. So, I mean, uh, it's probably going to be majority baseball uh, making some predictions uh, maybe with the NFL draft coming up in uh, in about a two weeks, I believe is what like the tenth or something like that. Maybe it, the ninth. It, it, it's like the first or second week in April. So like you know, we could talk about. There's no combine this year, so we could just talk about some uh, you know maybe our first round picks, our top five 
top 10 picks projected, you know, we'll probably have a little bit more research in there a little bit in, uh, in about a week, but you know, we look forward to having any and all content going forward. So we'll have something for you guys come next week for sure. For sure. With that said, you guys, once again, thank you guys for tuning in and we will see you guys later next week. See you guys next time. Hey guys, it's Miriam Love here. And I want to share something very special with you. Check out my new release, All In, the Spanish remixes, out now on Electric Hass Records. And always remember, be love, share love, all love. Available now wherever you listen to music. Hey there, fabulous souls. I'm Stephanie Baklaan. And I'm Eden Alpert. And we're the hosts of the brand new podcast, Unapologetically Fab. Get ready to join us on an amazing and real journey as we dive into life after 40 and own it. We're all about changing the narrative, leaning into who you are, and living a life by your own design. Join us as we embrace life unapologetically and redefine success. This is Unapologetically Fab. An electric cast production. See you there. Electric cast.